Before we get going today, just a little housekeeping. Thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast this past month, especially, and to those who have pledged their support on Patreon. Just this past week, I gained two new subscribers, Louis and Juliana. Welcome to both of you. There seems to be something going on with my Patreon account. I'm trying to get it worked out. But um, for those of you who are interested in becoming supporters, go to patreon.com slash countermelody and you can pledge any amount from $2 on up per month or $25 a year to gain access to all of the bonus material that I am posting. I had a bonus episode to post last week on both Teresa Giliscara and Christiane Edapierre. I was waiting for some records to come in the mail. They arrived very late. I now am preparing that episode for posting. And once I get this Patreon thing figured out, I will be posting that as well. So thank you to all of my beloved listeners. And now, on to today's episode. Dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach. And as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Hi, everyone. It was a very sad week, again, for those who are in the opera and classical music world. We lost a number of shining lights, some of them in advanced years, and one of them, the pianist, conductor, administrator, and professor Mia Im, tragically young. I didn't know her. I didn't know either of the other two that we're commemorating today either, but let us spare a thought to all of those who loved these artists, these musicians, these persons. Another great artist that we lost this past week was the soprano Karen Armstrong, who was resident here in Berlin and died in Spain earlier this week. She was a dynamic performer. She had studied under Lotte Lehmann in California, and then made her life and her career here in Germany, where she was married to the great Götz Friedrich, one of the most important German directors, who also headed the Deutsche Oper here in Berlin. In 1983, she and James King, the renowned American Heldon tenor, were the stars of a Götz Friedrich-directed production of Die Tote Stadt. Here is an excerpt from that production. Sie singen! Er hat Rettig, sagt man, wenn es auch mein Fach nicht ist. Und traurig ist am liebsten. 
The other great artist that we lost this week was the composer Carlisle Floyd. He's probably still most famous for his opera Susanna, but he composed a large number of significant works that have remained in the repertoire of Mice and Men, being probably the primary one among them, but also his last work, Prince of Players, and the work with which he broke a 20-year compositional silence called Sassy Tree. Here's an excerpt from Susanna. This is a portion of the aria, Ain't It a Pretty Night, and it's sung by the sublime Mary Mills, whom I am honored to call my dear friend. This performance is from 2003. Feel and not still. I wonder why. 
one of the great interpreters of the bass baritone role of the tortured, lecherous, and charismatic preacher Olin Blitch in Susanna, was Norman Tregel. In 1971, he gave a performance of portions of Carlisle Floyd's song cycle Pilgrimage, which had been written for the bass baritone Mac Harrell. Here he is in this live 1971 performance from New Orleans, singing the first of those songs, Man That Is Born of a Woman. Thank you. 
I want to offer also one last segment of Karen Armstrong singing for us. This is the recording premiere of a piece called Nocturne that Giancarlo Menotti wrote in 1982 to celebrate the birthday of that great patron of the arts, Alice Tully. This is one of Karen Armstrong's few commercial recordings. She was not renowned for her beauty of voice. In fact, she was often criticized for one, being the wife of Götz Friedrich, like that was a bad thing, but accused of nepotism for being featured in so many productions at the Deutsche Oper. But I'm happy to say that opinion has changed, and that in many of the tributes I was reading in the German-language newspapers this week, she was celebrated for her artistry, while it may not have been the most beautiful voice ever heard. Her dedication to text was something that is palpable. Even in this studio recording, one must also add that she was also a dedicated teacher. With that in mind, here is the song Nocturne. The text is by Giancarlo Menotti, as was often the case with his works, and it's a pensive, meditative text on life, aging, death, and the possibility of rebirth.
to the primary subject of today's episode, the Dutch baritone Bernard Kruysen. Though he is not very well remembered today, this baritone, born in Montreux in 1933 and died in the Netherlands at the end of October 2000 at the age of 67, was one of the supreme exponents of the French melodie and, as we shall see, other repertoire as well. Here is an early recording he made of the Debussy song La Grotte, or Auprès de cette Grotte Sombre, at the Festival de Menton in 1962. He is here accompanied by none other than Francis Poulenc. This is a setting of a poem by Tristan Lermite, a contemporary of Charles d'Orléans, Pierre Corneille, and to William Shakespeare. Close to this dark grotto where the air is so soft, the water struggles with the pebbles and light struggles with shadow. These waves, tired of moving across this gravel, are reposing in the pond where, long ago, Narcissus died. The shadow of this crimson flower and of those bending reeds seem in the depths to be the dreams of the sleeping water. Oh, mourut 
For all his renown in the 60s and 70s, Bernard Kreisen is today a very shadowy figure. His recordings, thank goodness, have, for the most part, been reissued. But I'm going to focus today on the less easily available recordings that he made in the 1960s, when his voice was at its peak. A few weeks ago, I played an excerpt on the Schubert episode of him singing the song Die Krähe. This was from very late in his life, and the voice is, to put it kindly, dry-sounding, although his artistry is undiminished. But at the beginning of his singing career, it was a thing of exceptional beauty. Okay, I'm not much for lecturing on the podcast, but I do think it might be time to say a word about the voice type, the bariton Martin. The French seem to specialize in these peculiar voice types that lie right in between different fachs. When I did my episodes on Shirley Verrett, we discussed the falcon, that voice that lies somewhere between soprano and mezzo-soprano. In the operas of Rameau, we encounter the voice type, the contre-tenor, which is really not a countertenor voice as we think of it today, but rather a voice that is a very, very high tenor that can go into an upper range with relative ease. If we look at and listen to the voice of the late great Russell Oberlin, we might hear, I think, the characteristics of a contre-tenor. I know that he himself told me that he never considered himself to be a falsettist, a countertenor, quote-unquote, because he never flipped into a falsetto range. He always sang with his full voice, which is something that I know I can say. When I was singing, that was what I attempted to to do as well. Emphasis on the attempted. Another of those voice types that lies right in between the cracks, I would submit, is the bariton Martin. That is a baritone who is, in a way, neither tenor nor baritone, but somewhere right in between. A tenor who doesn't have the very highest notes, or a baritone who doesn't have the lowest tones but has an easy extension into their upper range. In Broadway terminology, a baritoner, but with a French accent. I would submit to you that Bernard Kreuzen falls directly into this voice type. What are some other examples? Well, let's see. Jean Perrier, the baritone who first created the role of Peleas, definitely falls into this category. Pierre Bernac for whom Francis Poulenc wrote so many of his great songs, was another. The masterful Swiss singer Charles Ponserat, I would submit, was also a voice of this category. There are others as well. 
the French singer André Bougie, Camille Moran, a fantastic singer who I hope to feature in future, Jacques Janson, who participated in several different recordings of Peleas, including the legendary recording made during World War II in Paris, conducted by Roger Desormières and featuring Janson and the soprano Irène Joachim as Melisande. More recent examples, some people suggest Gérard Souzet. In some ways, Souzet's voice was more substantial. He sang Golo for instance. He also dedicated a certain amount of his career to the performance of opera, which, a few concert performances aside, Kreisen really did not. But I do think these two singers have very similar vocal timbres. Richard Stilwell has been suggested as another who fits this category. The French singer Michel Danse was also suggested in something that I read. And the Austrian Wolfgang Holzmeier. Among the French themselves, in recent decades, we've had François Leroux, Gilles Cachemaille, Didier Henry, and just before them, Claude Dormois, who was on his way to becoming the supreme interpreter of Peleas before his tragic and premature demise. I tell you, there's a real prejudice against the Bariton Martin. I just happened to be reading on Reddit. Not that Reddit is anything that I recommend ever looking at if one wants to stay mentally healthy, but here someone writes in discussing the Bariton Martin. The range is that of a tenor. The passaggi are similar to a tenor. The color is similar to a tenor, but just nothing above a B-flat. I listen to recordings and all I can think is, this dude doesn't seem like he's trying that hard. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I haven't heard of a single working opera singer who calls themselves that. So that's how the experts see it. Thank you so much, Reddit. I don't think I'll be going back there anytime soon. At some point during season three, if interest is there, I will do a full episode on this voice type. But in the meantime, let's turn to that marvelous exemplar of the bariton Martin, Bernard Kreisen. And by the way, I pronounce his name in a variety of ways over the course of this episode, and for that I must apologize. I did consult my trusty Google Assistant, who informed me that this is the proper way to say his name. Bernard Krauschen. I don't always attain quite that pronunciation, but if you need a reference on how to actually say it with a proper Dutch accent, that's how you do it. Bernard Krauschen. Bernard Krauschen. Bernard Krauschen. Bernard Krauschen. But after that extended expostulation, it's time now to turn to the voice of Bernard Kreisen. I'm going to play for you a number of complete song cycles, as well as some other excerpts from his recorded repertoire. Let's start with the song cycle, or maybe it's not even a song cycle, although one could argue that it is. The settings that Gabriel Fauré did of Paul Verlaine, his Opus 58, the Cinq Mélodies de Venise, the five Venetian songs. These contain a number of Fauré's most famous songs, beginning with Mandoline. The pianist in this 1964 recording is the American pianist, accompanist, 
and composer, the French-based Noel Lee. This poem is evocative of a painting by the famous French artist Watteau, who often depicted bucolic scenes with Commedia dell'arte figures in costume, serenading each other and indulging in various forms of gallantry and badinage. The next song is called En Sourdine, or Muted. Half close your eyes and fold your arms across your breast and banish all intention from your now restful heart. Let us both succumb to this gentle and lulling breeze. And when, solemnly, evening falls from the black oaks, the nightingale, voice of our despair, shall sing. Jamais tout descend. 
The next song is a setting of Paul Verlaine's famous poem, Green, which was also set by Debussy in a probably more famous setting. This is also extremely charming. This is a depiction of young love in which the poet, a young boy, begs his beloved to be kind to him. Here are flowers, branches, fruits, and leaves, and here too is my heart that beats only for you. Please don't tear it in half with your two white hands. On your young breast, let me cradle my head, still resounding with your recent kisses. After love's sweet tumult, grant it peace, and let me sleep for a while, since you also rest. Voici les fruits, des fleurs, des feuilles et des branches. Et puis voici mon cœur qui n'a pas que pour Déchirez pas avec vos deux mains blanches Et qu'à vos yeux si bon humble présent soit doux J'arrive tout couvert en cadre de rosée Que le vent du matin vient glacer à mon frère Comme ma fatigue à vos pieds reposés, rêve des chers instants qui a des Sur votre jeune sein, laissez rouler ma tête, toute seule en accord de vos derniers.
The next song, Aklimen, is the one that definitely evokes Venice. Mystical barcaroles, songs without words, dearest, because your eyes, the color of heavens, your voice, strange vision that upsets and troubles the horizon of my reason, because the wonderful aroma of your swan-like pallor, because all of your entire existence has in wondrous cadences attracted a connection to my subtle heart. Let that essence be praised. The last song of the cycle is called Selectase. This was also famously set by Claude Debussy as the first of his Ariettes Oubliées. It's this setting by Fauré that actually leads me to conclude that this is indeed a song cycle, since as in his other pieces, such as La Bande Chanson, he brings back musical references to the other songs that we have previously heard in this final summation of the cycle. It is languorous rapture. It is amorous fatigue. It's all the tremors of the forest in the breezes embrace. It is, around the gray branches, the choir of tiny voices. This soul which grieves in this subdued lament. It is ours, is it not? Mine and yours too, breathing out our humble hymn on this warm evening, soft 
and low. makes a good interpreter of French art song, the Melodie. I don't think it's accidental that both Bernard Kreuzen and Gérard Souzet were visual artists. In fact, Kreuzen originally planned on becoming a visual artist. His birth father and his paternal grandfather were both artists, and there's a great emphasis on color and tone painting in the interpretation of these songs. This, along with a dedicated commitment to the sonorities of the French language and poetry, contribute to the mastery of these interpretations. Let us listen to another masterful cycle of mélodie, this by Claude Debussy, The Trois Poèmes de Stéphane Mallarmé. This is a 1961 recording, which won the Grand Prix du Disque. Bernard Curison is accompanied here by the presumably French pianist Jean-Charles Richard, 
who did a number of early recordings up until 1966 with Bernard Kreuzen, after which I can find absolutely no record of this person. We will simply say that he is an extraordinary colleague and contributes enormously to the success of these recordings, as does Noel Lee, who we heard in the Forêt, and who became Bernard Kreuzen's primary accompanist following the, shall we say, disappearance of Jean-Charles Richard. Stéphane Mallarmé is one of the most obscure of the symbolist poets, and therefore the words don't necessarily make a great deal of logical sense, although in terms of the images that they evoke, they're very fraught with meaning. It's interesting that Ravel chose two of the same poems for his set of three Mallarmé poems, composed almost at the exact same time that Debussy wrote his. In Debussy's output, these are very, very late works, some of the last songs that he wrote. The first song is called Soupir. My soul rises toward your brow, where, calm sister, an autumn strewn with russet spots is dreaming, and toward the restless sky of your angelic eye, as in some melancholy garden, a white fountain faithfully sighs toward the azure sky. The second song is called Place Futile and seems to evoke again the world of Watteau, as it might be seen reflected in an image on a painted teacup. Dear Princess, 
since I am not your bearded lapdog, and know that you look upon me with indifferent eyes, please appoint me the shepherd of your smiles. The final song of this series is called Eventail or Fan. This is not a text that Ravel also set, but similarly, in this final song of the series, both composers strive toward a different kind of tonality. O dreamer, that I may plunge into pure pathless delight, please contrive by a subtle deception to hold my wing in your hand, the scepter of rose-colored shores stagnating over golden evenings, such is this white furled flight which you set against a bracelet's fire. Pour rêveuse, pour que je plonge au pur délice sans chemin, sache par un subtil mensonge garder mon aile dans ta main Une fraîcheur de crépuscule te vient à chaque battement dont le coup prisonnier recule l'horizon délicatement Vertige Voici que frissonne l'espace comme un grand baiser qui, fou de naître pour personne, ne peut jaillir ni s'apaiser. Sens-tu le paradis farouche ainsi qu'un rire enseveli se couler du coin de ta bouche au fond de l'unanime Thank you. 
I had mentioned a while back that Bernard Croissant's father and paternal grandfather were both artists. When he was less than a year old, however, his mother left his father and moved to the French Riviera with a Belgian singer named Hubert Reidich who was a well-known bass who sang not only at the Monet, but later in his career also did small roles at the Metropolitan Opera. So Bernard Croissant grew up with the sound of his stepfather's bass voice in his head. In an interview that I found with him, he said that he must have absorbed some of his stepfather's vocal acumen into his own artistry, and yet he himself thought that he possessed a much more natural voice. And he had made efforts during his training to try and build, quote-unquote, his voice into something more substantial, but that it remained a voice of relatively modest size, and yet, as we have been hearing, capable of so much color. Before I return to another French song cycle to close off the episode, I want to present some of the wider repertoire which Creuzen sang. Like his famous French predecessor, Gérard Souzet, he often sang music of the French Baroque, and I found a delightful example from 1966 from a composition called L'Apologie des Femmes by a Dutch composer, Quirinus van Blankenburg. This was written as an apology for the misogynistic view presented in André Compras' cantata Les Femmes, in which women are decried as evil, thoughtless, heartless, etc. beings. In this case, the text pleads the case for women being real human beings, and at the end, in the final movement of this cantata, Je bannis la reverie, the poet concludes that the excesses of love are far preferable to either melancholy or indifference. Bernard Croissant is accompanied by the Sonata da Camera Ensemble. Oh, yeah. 
the most obscure recording in today's set list, but I wanted to give you an example of some of the contemporary repertoire that Bernard Kruysen also sang. He performed works by his fellow Dutch compatriots Alfons Diepenbrock, Hans Henkemans, Harry Cox, and this work by Jan Muhl, who was also the music critic of the daily Amsterdam paper De Volkskrant and the chairman of the Guild of Dutch Composers, as well as being a celebrated composer of church music and other repertoire. This is an excerpt from a short cantata called Lettre de Monsieur l'Abbé d'Olivier à Monsieur le Président Bouillet. The author of the letter that is set was an abbot who lived from 1682 to 1768. This was a letter that he wrote to the French magistrate, Jean Bouillet, who lived from 1673 to 1746. The letter is written in a very amusing style, and the musical setting is reflective of the sense of humor displayed in the writing of the letter. In the part that I'm going to play for you, the Abbé describes a performance he attended at the Comédie Française, seeing two German-speaking Jesuits who were there at the beck and call of the Queen, not understanding a word of the play that they were observing. One proceeded to read his prayer book by candlelight, and the other to take a nap, as if he were listening to a sermon in church. This is a live performance that took place in May 1966, and the Limburg Symphony Orchestra is conducted by, you're not going to believe this, André Ryu. If anyone knows anything about trashy, semi-classical music performance here in Europe, or happens to catch this wild-haired violinist Manquet, on PBS and other such things, might be surprised to know that he actually was originally a serious musician. Who'd a thunk it? A spectacle si nouveau pour moi Ce fut de voir deux jésuites dans la loge voisine que c'est toi le confesseur et l'aumônier de la princesse Deux beaux allemands qui ne savent pas un mot de François Et que l'étiquette oblige d'être partout Madame la gouvernante se montre en public 
Next, I have an example of Bernard Kreisen singing Bach. In 1965, he did a recording of the two Bach bass cantatas, numbers 56 and 82. This is from the cantata Ich will den Kreuzstab gerne tragen. I would gladly carry the cross. And this is the jaunty aria called Endlich will mein Joch. Finally, when my yoke falls away from me, I shall get my strength in the Lord. If only this could happen today. The obligato oboist that we hear is Helmut Wintermann, who went on to lead his own ensemble, the Deutsche Bach Solisten. 
and the group here is the Collegium Instrumentale Wuppertal, conducted by Helmut Kalhöfer. Bernard Kreisen also was a marvelous interpreter of Lieder, specifically the Lieder of Robert Schumann, and he left a number of exceptional recordings of Schumann's Lieder, including an enormous volume of all of the songs that Schumann wrote in the year 1840. A few years before that, again with Jean-Charles Richard, he recorded two different albums of Schumann songs, of which I am going to offer you a few brief examples. The first is a recording from 1963 of the mini-song cycle Der Arme Peter, three separate poems by Heinrich Heine, which together tell a tragic tale, not at all dissimilar to the plight of the poet in Schumann's longer song cycle, 
Dichterliebe. The first song, Der Hans und die Grete tanzen herum, depicts Hansel and Gretel dancing around joyously, while poor Peter mumbles quietly to himself as he watches them. If I didn't have common sense, I might very well do damage to myself. The second song is called In meiner Brust da sitzt ein Weh. Within my heart lies an ache that will break my heart apart. It drives me to the presence of my beloved as if she could heal it. But when I look at her in the eye, I realize there's nothing for me there. Instead, I climb to the heights of the mountain where I can be alone and weep silently. The final song is called Der arme Peter wankt vorbei. Poor Peter staggers past, pale as a corpse. When people see him, they stop in their tracks. Girls whisper in one another's ears, He must have risen from the grave. But no, my dears, he has not yet even died. He simply lost his love. And therefore, perhaps the grave is the best place for him, where there he may lie and sleep until Judgment Day. I'll play the three songs in sequence without interruption. Der Hans und die Grete tanzen herum und jauchzen vor lauter Freude. Der Peter steht so still und so stumm und ist so blass wie Kreide. Der Hans und die Grete sind breit, kamen und braut und blitzen im hochsten Geschmeide. Der arme Peter, die Nägel kaut und geht im Werk der Verkleider. Der Peter spricht leise vor sich her und schaut betrübt auf beide. Ach, wenn ich nicht gar zu vernünftig wäre, ich täte mir was zu Sitz ein Weh, das will die Brust zersprengen. Und wo ich steh und wo ich geh, will's mich von innen drängen. Es reibt mich nach der liebsten Nähe, als gönn's die Grete heilen. Doch wenn ich dir ins Auge seh, muss ich von hinten eilen. Ich Long. 
two contrasting songs from Schumann's Opus 90 collection of songs set to poems by Nikolaus Lenau. The first is the jaunty Lied eines Schmiedes, the blacksmith's song. Good little horse, I'm making shoes for you. May you run up and down hill as rapidly and as lightly as air and carry your rider with every step toward heaven. The next song is called Meine Rose, My Rose. It's one of my very favorite songs in the entire universe and one that I used to sing with great pleasure, but never, never this beautifully. To my rose, my delight, the lovely jewel of spring, already bowing and turning pale from the hot beams of the sun. To you I reach out a cup of water from the dark, deep well. And you, rose of my heart, 
from the silent beam of pain you bow and turn pale at your feet i would like just as this flower has received water to pour my soul out so that you also could rise again Bernard Kreisen sometimes ventured outside of the traditional French and German repertoire, and when he did, the results were quite distinctive. In 1966, he made a recording with Noel Lee of the two big Mussorgsky song cycles, plus a cache of individual songs. His depiction of death 
in The Songs and Dances of Death is much less menacing and terrifying than that by, say, Yi Kui Si, the mere thought of whose interpretation sends shivers down my spine. But instead of playing you an excerpt from that cycle, and because I'm focused right now on the sheer beauty of Bernard Kreisen's voice, I'm going to play for you the song Gdieti Zvezdochka. Where are you, little star, my bright one? Have you gone behind a gloomy cloud? Where are you, fair maiden? Have you forsaken your beloved? I shall go out into the open field. Perhaps I shall see my little bright star there, and perhaps encounter the fair young maiden. No, a black cloud has hidden my little star, and the cold earth has taken my fair maid. After such gloomy songs, I do want to present you with at least one example of the marvelous sense of humor that Bernard Kreisen also could display in his performances. And just as a little ancillary note that might also bring you a little bit of amusement, I would like to note that Bernard Kreisen represented the Netherlands in world championships in spearfishing and not only that, but he made numerous underwater films with camera apparatus that he himself had developed. So, that's just a little fun fact to know and tell. So, while you digest that tidbit of information, I'm going to offer you, accompanied by his compatriot Felix de Nobel, 
Bernard Kreisen's delicious performance of the Emmanuel Chabrier song Ballade des Gros Dindons to a text by Edmond Rostand, who is most famous for writing Cyrano de Bergerac. This represents a different side of the poet and playwright. The Ballad of the Fat Turkeys. The stout turkeys cross the fields with a solemn, untroubled step. At dawn, at dusk, they march stupidly in a line before the shepherdess who sings. There they go in docile processions, the stout turkeys. And in between each verse, we hear a short evocation of Don Giovanni's serenade De Vieni alla Finestra. The turkeys have never found the sounds that the nightingale makes to be pleasant or moving. Stout sages, their only inclinations are to the practical and useful. For them, love and its sweet songs are far too trifling a pastime. Rotund with black paunches, they care nothing for romance, those fat turkeys. set by Francis Poulenc to the poetry of Guillaume Apollinaire, who was a French playwright, poet, novelist, and art critic of Polish-Belarusian descent. He died in the flu pandemic of 1918 at the age of 38. He was a forefather of surrealism and Dadaism, and an ardent defender 
of Cubism, which he wrote about extensively. The cycle I've chosen today, performed by Bernard Cresson and Jean-Charles Richard, is the banalité. These songs are everything. They're absurd, they're languorous, they're effervescent, and in the end, also, and primarily, heartbreaking. The first song is called Chanson d'Orquenise, and d'Orquenise is an imaginary city. The song depicts the handsome knitting guards who question those who pass in and out of the gates, and they comment to their great amusement an enormous amount of hearts that are accumulating there as the gates close slowly. Par les portes d'Orcanise, but entrer un charretier. Par les portes d'Orcanise, but sortir un pas du pied. Et les gardes de la ville, pour l'on suit au pas du pied. Transportes-tu de la ville, jeunesse mon cœur entier. Et les gardes de la ville, pour l'on suit au charretier. Transportes-tu de la ville, second song is, forgive me for calling it iconic, but the iconic hotel. My room is shaped like a cage. The sun passes its arm through the window, but I would like to smoke and make smoky pictures. I light by the fire of the day my cigarette. I don't want to work. I want to smoke. Ma chambre a la forme d'une cage. Le soleil passe son bras par la fenêtre. Mais moi qui veux The next song is called Fagne du Vallonie, and it's a depiction of the Belgian countryside, the French-speaking Walloon region. 
I had left the pretty wood. The squirrels stayed there. I did not confide any secret except an enigmatic song to the damp peat bog. The heather, fragrant with honey, attracted the bees, and my aching feet crushed the blueberries. Life twists itself there, in strong trees and twisted. There life bites death ravenously when the wind howls. another Poulenc classic, Voyage à Paris. How charming to leave the dreadful countryside for Paris, delightful Paris, that once upon a time love must have created. What a charming thing. Ah, la charmante chose qui tira pays morose pour Paris. Paris jolie, un jour du crier l'amour, ah, la charmante chose qui tira pays morose pour Paris. Paris jolie, à qui tira pays morose, charmante chose. last song is, I think, one of the most moving things that Poulenc ever wrote. It's called Sanglou, or Sobs. It's almost as long as the other four songs in the cycle. I remember a while back I featured Pierre Bernac doing this song. I think that Bernard Kreisen, who also studied with Pierre Bernac, as well as, as we earlier heard, concertized with Francis Poulenc, carried the mantle forward in terms of stunning performances of the music of this great composer. Our love is ordered by the calm stars. Now we know that in us many men have their being who came from very far away and are one under the brows. It is the song of the dreamers who tore out their heart and carried it in their right hand. Remember, dear pride, all these memories of the sailors who sang like conquerors. This heart ran with blood, and the dreamer went on thinking of his delicate wound. You will not break the chain of these causes. My poor heart, my broken heart, 
resembling the heart of all men. Here, here are our hands that life enslaved, has died of love, or so it seems, has died of love, and there it is. Such is the way of all things. Tear out yours also, and nothing will be free until the end of time. Let us leave all to the dead and hide our sobs. Thank you.
Thank you for joining me today on the exploration of this singer whom I consider to be one of my great discoveries. Some time ago, I remember that my dear friend Thomas Bagwell answered one of those silly Facebook questions. If you had to run from your burning house and rescue one thing, what would you take with you? And he responded, my Bernard Kreisen records. And I, at the time, not fully comprehending what a great artist he was discussing, was a little taken aback. And now that I have had a chance to listen to more of him, I completely understand what he was talking about. To close the program, I'm going to offer you one late recording of Bernard Kreisen. Here he is accompanied by the pianist Richard Ram in a 1978 recording that, according to my sources, was made in the Soviet Union. This is Prier pour paix, set again by Francis Poulenc, to a poem by Charles d'Orléans. This is a poem that Poulenc set in 1938 as the world was facing imminent war. It's an excerpt from a much longer ballade by Charles d'Orléans. Pray for peace, gentle Virgin Mary, Queen of the Skies, and Mistress of the World. By your courtesy, ask for the prayers of all the saints, and make your address to your Son, beseeching his majesty that he may please to look upon his people, whom he wished to redeem with his blood, banishing war, which devours everything. Do not cease your prayers. Pray for peace, pray for peace, the true treasure of joy. Pour paix, douce Vierge Marie, Reine des cieux et du monde maîtresse, faites prier par votre courtoisie. Keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach. <laughs>